headquarters of Ramsey Solutions. It's the Ramsey Show, where we help people build wealth, do work that they love, and create actual amazing relationships. Thank you for joining us, America. Dr. John Deloney, Ramsey Personality, is my co-host today. Open phones at 888-825-5225. Thank you for joining us. Jesse is in Atlanta starting off this hour. Hi, Jesse. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you for taking my call. How are you? Better than I deserve. What's up? So my husband and I have, um, we read the total money makeover and we worked diligently to get out of debt. And thankfully now we've paid off our debts and we own our home. Way so to go. we are now in the process. Thank you. Uh, it was actually through your book. God did amazing things through you. Um, but so now we're in the process of looking towards wealth building. And because of that, I've been looking at uh, podcasts and different videos on wealth building, but I've been noticing a recurring theme among a lot of these very well-known people. And it's that they use these phrases. Everybody has a prenup, either the government makes one or you make one yourself. Um, and I have always been someone that thinks very negatively towards prenups. My husband and I, when we were married, granted we were broke, but we always felt that the word divorce was out of the question and that if you're even considering a prenup, then you're opening yourself up to the possibility of a divorce. So I wanted your opinion as a Christian, as somebody who is wealthy, what is your uh, perspective on prenups, especially in the, in the Christian realm? So it's more in theory because it obviously doesn't apply to you all. Correct, but I guess the reason that I'm asking it is because it kind of helps me in discerning, are these people that I should get advice from, like wealth building, is this people that I should be listening to? Well, I I don't know who you're listening to, and don't tell me, but um, uh, typically what happens in something like that is a financial person is, uh, financial people and uh, legal people both, uh, are the world's worst, and I, I had to break myself of this when I started doing this several years ago, are the world's worst at looking at life through only one lens. Okay? Mm-hmm. You're asking a question through a relational lens, a spiritual lens, and a wealth-building and legal lens. They're mm-hmm. only looking at it for wealth protection. If If you could live a life, which you can't, that wealth protection was separated from your relationships and was separated from your spiritual walk, you can't, but if you could, then a prenup would be a slam dunk. And in their minds, therefore a prenup is a slam dunk because they only see it through that lens. Does that make sense? Yes. So I wouldn't necessarily discredit them, uh, for all of their advice as somehow being a heresy or something like that. I would just say, whoever you're listening to is only looking at the advice they're giving through a singular lens. Our approach is we believe that personal finance is 80% behavior, and we've proven that. It's not about math, and it's not about that stuff. So uh, our approach is is that the prenup actually could end up uh, stunting your growth because you're not all in on working together. So when I first started this show, when I first started this show, I was a hundred percent, never get a prenup under any circumstances. Don't get married. If you love your stuff more than you love her period, Mm -hmm. just don't do it. That's how I started. Now, having done this a long time, 
I have one caveat that I've added about a decade ago to this, and that is if two people are getting married, one of them has extreme wealth. There's an extreme difference. Like I had one guy uh, who was marrying a lady who had $10 million and he didn't have two nickels. Okay. I suggested a prenup to them uh, to keep their relationship pure about relationship and not about money. And the bigger reason I suggested it to them is my now experience 30 years later has been the prenup in that case is not really for that couple. It's for all the weirdos in their families because all of a sudden crazy mother-in-law swoops in from the other side. Once the $10 million golden goose shows up and you got to look at Then you got a little piece of paper and you look at her and go, sorry, ma got a prenup. Can't do nothing. And so it gives them a defense mechanism against crazy in their family. Cause one thing we know about wealth is it magnifies everything. And that includes crazy. So when you got crazy members in your family and you marry $10 million, dad gum, the crazy comes out, you know? So in that case, I did recommend a prenup in extreme differences, but for 99% of the people, just regular folk getting married, and, you know, I had one lady call me up one time and said her boyfriend had a 1968 frame-up restoration Mustang, and he wanted a prenup. <laughs> and, you know, my answer to that is don't marry this bozo. He loves his car more than you. You know, that's not that's – the, that's the answer to that. And that's not a – you know, that might not jive with these other guys' podcasts or whoever it is you're listening to. But um, most of the time, I agree with where you're coming from, Jesse, and that is the prenup is simply planning the divorce in advance. Oh, oh, 52% of the marriages end in divorce. No, they don't. No, they don't. Not when you take out people with four-year degrees. Not when you take out people who regularly attend a house of worship. Not when you take out people who the parents on neither side were divorced. When you take those statistics out, almost 90% of the people make their marriage work. Oh, and you're, after, you're older than 22 years old, and you didn't have a baby before marriage. You can take these things out. Boom, 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 boom. Success rate of marriage goes way up. You make $50,000 a year or more household income. You didn't have a baby before marriage. You didn't get married in high school. You know, all these kinds. You take all that crap out, you got about a 90% survival rate of marriages. So that 52% figure includes a whole bunch of other crap going on of people who weren't going to make it anyway. So you can't use 52% of marriages in the divorce because they really don't. Jesse, I'm going to ask Dave a question on your behalf. Is that cool? Yeah. Um, so Dave, let me throw a caveat in here. Tell me what you think about this. Um, a 55-year-old who's done pretty well, not extreme wealth, um, spouse passes away, and a, marries a 57-year-old who's done pretty well, spouse passes away. Both have kids, both have cousins. Does it make sense in that situation, again, to protect from family? and If, a, you, if you wanted to, but you've just got to be very careful because it's uh, you're, you're entering, you're, you're trying to say this stuff, the distribution of this stuff is more important than this relationship. And man, that's dangerous. And so if you don't have an ex- basically if you don't have an exit ramp, we got to figure this out. Yeah. We got to figure it out. Yeah, a good I mean, mm-hmm. if you don't trust her to leave your Bible to your son from the first marriage whose mom died, then don't marry her. Then don't marry her. Right. You know? That's what I'm saying. And so I, th- th- there's a whole thing that goes into play here, but yeah, by and large, I'm anti prenup. 
That would tell you, because I believe you're planning your divorce. I believe you're asking for trouble, too. and it, you know it's it's cheapens the whole affair and puts a dollar figure to it. And I just I'm not doing that now. If there's an extreme difference, like I said, there's a few times it's okay. You can talk about it, but it's it's a dangerous thing. Thanks for the question. It's a good one. Hey, listen up. When we invest, most of us have no idea where our money is going. But the reality is your investments could be funding social and cultural causes that you would never choose to support. With Timothy Plan, you can avoid putting your hard-earned money into things you don't approve of and invest in companies that line up with your values. With Timothy Plan's pro-life, pro-family filter, you can invest with moral responsibility while going after competitive returns. So while it's still true that you can't serve God and money, you can make your money serve your values. Contact your financial advisor today to see if Timothy Plan is right for you. Visit timothyplan.com for more information. Investing includes risk, including possible loss of principal. Before investing, carefully consider a fund's investment objective, risks, charges, and expenses contained in the prospectus available at timothyplan.com. Read carefully before investing. Mutual funds distributed by Timothy Partners, LTD, and ETFs distributed by Foresight Fund Services, LSE. Dr. John Deloney, Ramsey Personality, is my co-host today. Open phones at 888-825-5225. Lee is in Cleveland, Ohio. Hi, Lee. How are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? Better than I deserve. What's up? Um, quick question. Uh, my parents, they are entering their 70s, and um, I swear that is the important part. Um, they called a family meeting with me and my sisters. It's three of us girls. And they wanted to know what our thoughts were on how they leave their basically financial state behind, whether it be a will or a trust. And we're not one we didn't expect them to even want our advice because, you know, it's theirs. Um, But now that they're asking, not really sure what direction to go. They had mentioned a will and a state. It's just, it's a lot. Mm -hmm. Do they have a lot of money? Um, yeah, the number they said, yeah, yeah, it's, well, it's a lot to us. What's a lot? How much? Um, just south of 5 million. That's a lot. Very cool. That's a lot. Um, For the three girls. So you guys are going to get over a million apiece when they both die and they're just trying to plan that out. Yeah. Okay. They They do not have any federal estate tax. What state are they in? Ohio. Okay. You need to find out what the probate tax is in Ohio, but I suspect, like it is in most states, that the best thing they can do is a simple will. It's, um, typically, um, what will happen in a situation like that would be what we call a mirror image will, where they, do, they both do the exact same will, except the names are changed. So his will would say everything goes to her, unless we die together and then everything goes to the girls three ways. Okay. And her will would say exactly the same thing. Everything goes to husband unless we die together. And then everything goes to the girls three ways. Okay. So it's not, it's not expensive because it's cut and paste, right? You do one will and cut and paste the thing mirror image will there's no, uh, again, there's no federal estate tax on an estate of $5 million. The probate is, um, a tax, to run it through the probate, and you'd have to find out what it is in Ohio. Um, 
but I would not go to the expense of a trust. A trust is typically going to run you three to $5,000 to have an attorney do it. And, um, you don't need it. There's no need for it. Well, that, that was the other question. Their intent with, um, when they mentioned a trust is to make sure that it is protected. So like all three of us girls are married. Um, we're all in our thirties and they just want to make it so it's ours. And obviously none of us hope or plan for divorce, but to make sure it's protected, um, you know, for longevity sake and that it's, well, if you have the use of the money, it's going into your name, it's not protected. And so if it's sitting over in a trust and you can't touch it, then it's protected. But that's silly. You need to have the use of it. Well, they would want us to, if it were a trust, they would want us to all be, um, all three of us, to I, I, I wouldn't be do the that. managers. I wouldn't do that. Okay. Yeah, please don't you do that. Like live off interest, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Now, mentioned. the other thing you can check on, it, and again, the law will change from state to state, and I'm not an attorney. So two things you need to look at, you need to learn about, is find out what the probate tax in Ohio is, Okay. And in most states, and I think this is true in Ohio, but you need to verify it, if you were left a million and a half dollars from your parents and three years later you went through a divorce, the judge would award that money to you. Really? In most states. Now, not a, it's the, you know, it's a, it came from your side of the family. It doesn't, he doesn't automatically get it. Now, uh, you know, if a, period of 50 years went by then there may be a different thing okay before you got divorced but um but you know a few years out you know five or ten years something like that in most states you're going the judge is going to cover that and something that came from you know somewhere else it's obviously was your money it'd be like if you married someone without a prenup we were talking about that a minute ago and you brought money into the marriage and then you get a divorce shortly thereafter you're going to take that money out of the marriage in most states. Now, some states have different common law stuff, but and so I'd want to learn about that to be 100% sure. But by and large, I really wouldn't overcomplicate this for a million and a half dollars. Sure. Okay. That makes sense. I would keep my life pretty clean and pretty simple. Um, but let, but learn about it and so you can address their concerns. And by the way, that also means they probably ought to talk to an estate planning attorney or two they they have lawyers and so they were kind of running through the options and we're running us through the options by way of the lawyers just to, that we're planning their estate. okay so they they have lawyers that well they could address I mean, that those two issues then that i'm talking about probate tax sure. and whether or not you're protected in the event of a divorce without a trust i tr- trust unless you've got a you know a hundred million dollars to 20 million dollars 50 million dollars it's a lot it's so cumbersome to deal with and there's some estate planning reason or estate tax reasons to do that when you get up above 20 million right now but uh but prior to that i would just keep my life as simple as i could if i were you guys yeah and i'd be weary of an attorney trying to pr- push a uh, uh, trust on you just because they're gonna make an extra five thousand dollars yeah right? uh, and some of the people in the estate planning world do that they're, they're they're they oh you need a trust to avoid blah, 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 blah. no everybody doesn't need a trust you really don't. Um, you you really, really don't need one that often. So, hey, good question. Thank you for joining us. Michelle is in Dayton, Ohio. Hi, Michelle. How are you? I'm good, Dave. How are you? Better than I deserve. What's up? 
Um, to make a long story short, um, I lost my mom to about two years ago to COVID. Mm. Um, her and I lived together um, my whole life, but the last 12 years we roomed together because um, her and my dad separated. Mm. Um, so I honestly feel like the last, the first year I was numb. The last year I've just kind of been living in survival mode. Um, and long story short, I did stupid about a month ago and um, went out and traded in my car for a new one. And I realized pretty quick it was dumb. Um, I was kind of stressed out and I was going through a box of my mom's stuff. And on top of it was a book that I had never seen before. It was Rachel Cruz's Know Yourself, Know Your Money. And I started reading that. It kind of turned me on to your guys' show again. My mom listened to you guys here and there. Um, but I guess what I'm where I'm at right now is I, I need to get out from underneath this car, but I'm not really sure what to do. Um, you know, I, I feel like I need to sell it. I, I, I don't have anything but student loans and, and the car payment, but um, it's pretty much topped my budget out. Um, and I'm like, what if something happens, my rent raises or, you know, crazy stuff like that. Stuff I should have thought about before I did it. But I guess where I'm at is I just don't know how to, you know, w- what steps to take to get out from underneath this car. I know obviously selling it's probably the best bet, but I'm pretty sure as soon as you drive it off the lot, I'm going to owe more than what it's worth. Um, and so I'm just trying to get some advice on what to do and where to start. Uh, without what were you driving before? Uh, I had a car. I had a 2020 Kia Sportage. I traded it in for a new one. Okay. How much did um, they give you for the Kia? I was underwater on that about a thousand bucks. So I put 2,500 down with what they gave me. I ended up putting about a thousand five hundred down. Okay. Um, on the car. Okay. Yeah. So I, the car's $30,000 note, um, 31,000 actually. And, and you make uh, what? I just got a new job, um, working for the government. So I'm making about 50,000 a year. Yeah. Okay. You're, you're right. You do need to sell it. Oh man, what you've been through, kiddo? I'm sorry. Um, that was, yeah. bi- that was a big time, big time grieving and stress purchase, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just I don't. I just said I've had a temporary moment of insanity, but yeah. at the same time, it's kind of fueled this. Like I would. Go, how long you had the car in the face? Uh, about a month. Go back and talk to the dealer and see if you can, how big a check you got to write to get out of it. Okay, that's first thing. If it's if the check sounds unreasonable, check what the car will sell for. And you're going to have to cover the difference, the hole that you're in. You're right. You're upside down again. And you're going to have to go buy something super cheap that you can pay cash for and scrape together the money to cover the difference to get out of this thing. But you're right. You need to undo this. And the sooner you undo it, the better. Because every day you drive it, it's going down in value even more. This is The Ramsey Show. Hey guys, it's Rachel Cruz here to tell you about a faith-based alternative to health insurance that can make healthcare more affordable, Christian Healthcare Ministries. CHM allows members to share each other's healthcare costs, and it's as easy as one, two, three. Step one, choose the healthcare provider you want. Step two, submit your eligible bills. And step three, get reimbursed. CHM members take care of your eligible medical bills. With no network and the freedom to choose your healthcare provider, CHM is the best option for Christians who want to take care of their families and help other believers. Find out more at chministries.org slash budget. That's chministries.org slash budget. Dr. John Deloney, Ramsey personality, is my co-host. He's also the author of the number one best-selling book, Building a Non- 
Anxious Life. It's our latest number one bestseller here at Ramsey, and you ought to be able to check it out. In the lobby of Ramsey Solutions, hanging out with us on the stage, Anthony from Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Hi, Anthony. How are you? Good. How are you? Better than I deserve. How can we help you today, sir? Just have a question. How do I get my 19-year-old stepdaughter to follow the Ramsey plan and pay for college cash when she says she'll let her future self worry about the debt? Your 19-year-old stepdaughter, your wife's daughter? Yes. Okay. How long y'all been married? Uh, ten and a half years. Okay. So you knew her when she was nine? Yes. And she said, that's a problem for future me? It's yes. kind of awesome. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Who... Um, can I just take a guess here that um, the other parent is fully on take out every loan and go get them? Uh, maybe. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So dad, her dad, is saying probably, yeah, future self. Um, so, uh, well, I, the, th- the couple things I, that pop into my head, and John, you're probably need to address this a lot more than me. I'm just thinking like a dad. Um, uh, unless there's a fractured relationship, your wife is going to have a better chance of having this conversation than you because you're, by definition, the stepdad. Uh, unless you're the only hero in this whole story uh, with this kid, that you've got more credibility than her actual two parents. You know, um, it'd be nice if she'd listen to your wisdom, but you're probably odd man out. Uh, and, and so what we've got to do is get somebody in front of her that she'll listen to. So that's first what I'm looking for, is who's, who's she most likely to hear from? And then whoever that is, I'm going to school them uh, just as a dad. This is Dave the dad. Uh, you know, one of the things, one of the hardest times for me in parenting was when my kids grew up and I couldn't tell them what to do anymore. It's pissed me off because it was a lot easier when I could just tell them what to do. And it's, it's, I mean, and now they're 30 and 40 years old and I still can't tell them what to do. It's just awful. I can't even tell them what to do with the grandkids. It's awful. So um, I've had to learn to not use my dad voice. My only shot at dealing with a, quote, grown-up, in this case a 19-year-old, is to speak to them as if they were someone else's kid and I was trying to persuade them. Like if one of my buddy's kid was going to do this, I would sit down and I would use a different voice than my dad voice. Um, And I'd say, you know, I love you, and let me walk you through because I love you, why I think this is stupid and why I think it's stupid for you. It doesn't affect me. You get to do whatever you want to do. But one definition of maturity, honey, is learning to delay pleasure. And this little future self thing you've said is an indication you're acting like you're four. And that's what I would tell one of my friend's kids, but um, as if they were a caller on this show, you know. But it's not me using my dad voice because the instant she hears anything other than persuasion – as a technique she's gonna click off and move on even if she is physically sitting there she quit listening yeah i i i think exactly right i think it's important for you two you and your wife to say here's what our rules and boundaries are for our money and how we're going to support or not support and then walk your like you said i think you have that conversation i have found it really helpful when parents own up to some things they have done when they put things off to future self and it humanizes you a little bit and it's part of the persuasion you're having an adult to adult conversation even though she's 19 and you know she's every bit a child as as she was when she was 16 um okay i did this one time 
And that may not work, but at least you become more credible instead of just this pointing finger and saying, you know, you're going to do know, X, I bought y, a car I couldn't afford, and I thought future self would worry about it. Right. And I didn't sleep a lot. And it tore me up, and I got messed up my credit, and it set me back. And it's one of the financial decisions I made that held me back. And I just don't want that pain for you because I love you. You know, that kind of thing. There's also going to be a strange thing that happens, um, and you'll probably dealt with it her whole life, is – if she has one parent saying, I think you should do this, then there's a loyalty thing that gets really dicey and really weird. And so sometimes the greatest gift you can say is, I think you're making a mistake. I don't think this is the right move. I love you, and I'm going to be here when you get back. And I've got a plan for you to pay all this mess off. Um, I don't think it's the right thing. But there's that weird loyalty thing that they feel like if they're doing something, even if it's better for them and they know it, that they're being disloyal and somehow unloving to the other parent – like this situation's messy. It's just messy. That's why it's important for y'all two to get your boundaries straight. We're going to pay for your first semester of college, but it's going to come at this or this, or we can put this money on the table, but you can't borrow a dime. If you borrow a dime, you're yeah, opti- I, I you are opting out of this money, whatever. I'm not, you know, I've got $20,000 to put towards your college, but it's not there if you're doing this. If you take out a loan, you're opting out of my money. And because I'm not going to support you in doing something that's harmful to you. I love you too much. I'm not going to buy your drugs if you're a heroin addict. And I'm not going to participate in something I think is a mistake and harmful to you. Not because I'm greedy and not because the money's yours. But it's not yours to do harm with. Because I love you too much. And this you need to hear this matter. If you're participating. If you're not participating in the in the college education at all then you're simply trying to persuade right and i like putting the onus on them because what a good 19 year old will do is when you say i'm not going to put i'm not giving you any of this college money if you um if you take out a loan then man you're the bad guy you're withholding you don't want me to get educated you don't love me but when you say hey 19 year old you're opting out of this money it's right here. The terms of this money are X, Y, and Z. You're opting out. You're a grown-up. You get to do that. Now, a similar thing would be, in our case, with our kids when they were in school, if they were going to misbehave in other ways while at school and they weren't going to make grades while at school, they're opting out. I'm not, you know, not going to pay for it. I'm not playing for you to go pay, play beer pong. You're, you're, I'm playing for you to go get an education. And this is not your time to party and daddy pays for it. <laughs> Screw that. You know, and so we had these conversations early and often as I sent checks into the thing. But this is it, this this money is contingent. My love is not contingent, but this stream of money coming at your college experience is contingent. And they get to decide whether that money keeps coming. Yeah, that's by them. their behavior. Yeah, so you're opting in, you're opting out. If you guys are participating, that's the thing on that. But I I think the thing is this: it's just a mistake, and we've got we got you know she says 44 million people in America that'll tell her it's a mistake. They got student loans out there, yin yang, and they can't breathe, and they're waiting on the president to mysteriously make it go away, and he's not, he can't, and he won't. Um, and so it's, you know, it, it's a mistake. And the, when you, anytime you say the future me, that just means I want to buy something now, and I'm being a four year old on the cereal aisle having a fit because I want Fruit Loops. And so it's a cute saying, though. I like her. It like makes her me angle laugh. Yeah. It. It's kind of, it's kind of funny. <laughs> but uh, I'll let the future me deal with that. That's kind of funny. She's got, she's got Moxie. But um, we so yeah. we threw a lot at you. What do you think? You're right. We had X amount of money that we had that we said we would give if she stayed at home. She could have used that for four years, but she decided to dorm, and all that's being used the first year. And we said we're not going to co-sign for any loans. Yeah, 
Okay, so you, she used up the money even though she went a direction you said not to do, and now it's even gone further, and we're not co-signing the loans. So now she's going to have to be out of school. Yeah, and that's sad. Or she'll have to go to a local community college and go for free, depending on what state y'all live in, right? Right. Heaven forbid. Yeah. Um, I think that's a great option for families. Yeah. yeah. Great uh, option. But You know, yeah, you, you guys, yeah. So you're for, we're further into this than I realized. I don't know why I thought a 19-year-old wasn't already in school. I was thinking this. I thought we caught it ahead of time. No, but no, I also, we're already I, I mean, this is a beautiful opportunity for you to show, here's where the account was. There's no dollars left. It's empty now. Yeah, you used it. And I, I kind of made a mistake allowing you to do that. And I'm not going to make another one yeah. by signing for you for sure. And if you need a cosigner, you're up a creek. So, um, wow. But she probably doesn't need a cosigner. She's probably just going to keep rocking. Well, it depends on what school. Is it an expensive private school? No, it's a public school. Public school. Well, they're all expensive now, so. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Not cheap, but. All right, best of luck to you, man. Appreciate your question. I wish, you. I wish I had a magic wand to make that go away. But that's some thoughts for you and you parents out there. Yeah. One guy called up and said, my daughter told me he, she's going to the school. And I said, see, <laughs> that's where it ended at the Ramseys, because we did the telling. They didn't do the telling. It's like when someone calls and says, my 11-year-old's addicted to their iPad. I said, no, they're not. <laughs> you keep handing it to them. <laughs> you won't take it away because you have no spine. This is the Ramsey Show. Scripture of the day, Proverbs seventeen seventeen. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. Mother Teresa says, some people come into your life as a blessing. Other people come into your life as lessons. <laughs> there's mentors and there's anti-mentors. <laughs> I think I'm the blessing for you, Dave. That's it. That's it. I knew it when I got up this morning. I said, that's it. John, Dr. John. It's my blessing. He's a blessing. Bless me. You are my adversity. I love it. Well, hey, everybody's got to have a gift. <laughs> Danielle is in New Loudon, Connecticut. Hi, Danielle. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Better than I deserve. What's up? <laughs> um, so I'm kind of in a place in my marriage where I'm trying to figure out um, if I should be coming or going. Um, we had uh, twins two years ago. And, um, I think that there was just, um, a lot of unrealistic expectations, um, of having kids together, um, for, from him to me. And, um, he was just very disconnected from them the first year and a half. So he started connecting with them through counseling and, it's almost like you're too late, I guess. It's, there's no, there's no, um, I don't have those feelings anymore. And it's like the more suggestions counseling comes up with, um, the more it's almost like cringy. Like, I'm like, I don't, I don't want to do that. You know, maybe if you did this, that, and the other, you know, made the 18 bottles, you know, in the first year, I would have, gladly you know accepted to want to go on a date or xyz but i'm just I so are like you done are, are you are you leaving your marriage 
I'm pretty close to it, yeah. And what I've got from this call is um, your husband did not do a good job during the first year, year and a half of having twins dropped in the house. And because of that, um, he sounds like he is trying to work on it and fix things. And you're saying, nope, your punishment for those first 18 months is I'm out. In a sense, yeah. It sounds like you're out of the marriage and this has become a great exit strategy for you, a story that allows you a past in your mind to leave. In a sense, yeah. Okay, so what's your question? <laughs> um, I guess I'm not trying to just leave. Like I said, it's... I mean, it sounds like that's exactly the, what you're doing. And I understand that, but what I'm just trying to advise is what else can I do at this point if I... I don't know. We're trying with marriage counseling. I see the connection now he's building with our kids. I just don't know how to keep trying. I, I think you know how to keep trying. I don't think you want to. Yeah. Here's the deal. Y'all got to build something completely new. And he sounds like he is really trying to build something new and you're just standing there at the, in the rubble and you don't want to pick up a hammer and you're waiting for that hammer to feel right. Mm-hmm. It's never going to feel right. The feelings will follow the action. And so either you decide, I'm going to go all in, we're going to figure this thing out, or I'm going to stop suffocating everybody in the house with, I don't know, I'm just waiting for it. Like, you see what I'm saying? No, I understand what you're saying. I think... You've got to fight for your marriage in the same way he seems to be fighting for your marriage. Mm. What am I missing? Uh, There's a a lot more pieces to it, but for this short synopsis, um, like I said, I just got used to doing everything on my own. And so now that someone's now coming around trying to help it's just it feels like it's a it's a ploy like how long is this going to last because it's that's kind of what happened before it's just i'll do this for a little bit and then it stops are your parents divorced um yes how old were you when your dad left um maybe 10 Mm-hmm. I think you're still pissed at him. Uh, Biological? No. I have no hard feelings towards any of my parents. Bull. (laughs) Ask me your question, because I really don't know. I I don't know how I can help. What what you're telling me is it's a very syrupy feelings. Like, I just don't feel like... Now, if you came back and said, no, the dude was abusive... Dude cheated on me a lot, and I'm, he's trying to weasel his way back in. That's a whole different conversation. Mm-hmm. But what, and I know we have very compressed time. But what you're telling me mm-hmm. right now is, I had to do a lot of work the first 18 months because he was off working when I had twins, and I, it killed me. And now I got used to doing things alone, and I don't want his help anymore. And Bye. so I'm just going to divorce him. 
That's what it's, that's what I'm hearing. I can't be right. Nope. That's it. Um. Well, we both work. Um. So it's not just that he's working. We both were working during this. It just he just mentally disconnected from helping me raise our two kids. Even that, though he has other two kids. So. I got you. But listen to me. That was yesterday. Mm-hmm. We're here today. Okay. So let's make a choice about today. If you're going to leave your marriage because your husband is trying to make things right and learn a new way of helping, and admittedly, he sucked the first 18 months, and he's trying his best, and you're like, no, nope, I'd rather do it myself. You have to own that decision. Mm-hmm. If you're going to leave him over that, then you've got to own that decision. Yeah. I don't know. I don't. I feel like I'm missing something. But I'll say this: no, if, you, just, if you're trying yeah. to heal a marriage, it, it, any level of it being broken, the same as if you're trying to get in shape, the same as if you're trying to get out of debt. If you wait for it to feel right, you're never gonna do it. Mm-hmm. You have to just take wild action in the direction of the thing you want to be different, whether that's losing weight, whether that's getting out of debt, whether that's saying, I'm going to fight to the death for this freaking marriage. And you mm-hmm. sucked the last two years, and we're going to make this right. I'm in. Yeah. And if absent of that, it's it's just going to be this, ah, it doesn't feel good, and it doesn't. And by the way, if you look around at our culture, we're a feeling-to-death culture. Mm-hmm. We all wait for everything to feel the right way. There is not, it's not going to get that way. What you're going to do is you're going to run like wild in the direction of what you want, which is an amazing marriage and some help around the house and two awesome kids with two great parents. And then you're going to wake up one day and realize this feels really awesome. Yeah. But that choice is yours. I can't make that for you. Yeah. No, I know. I appreciate it. Yeah. I feel like I'm missing something, Dave. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what we're missing. I don't know. I've got an opinion, but it's harsh, so I'll just keep it to myself. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. I would like to, America to see that Dave Ramsey's maturing, getting older. <laughs> I think this is an important step in the show's evolution. <laughs> well, I'm, and I, I'm, I, I don't want to sit beside a PhD in counseling and have counseling ideas. It's a bad idea. No, bring so it. Bring it. It's a bad idea. I think she's still pissed at her dad. I'm just being pop psychologist, though. And and so the first time her husband screwed up, she transferred it. I just moved it over. Yeah, she just moved it over to him. Yeah. And so this is this is her way of hitting back at her dad. But I'm I'm really reaching here. Yeah. Uh, I, is that is that possible? For, uh, to, I I think your body puts a pin in that pain, and you wait for it and wait for it, and it goes there it is, there it is. Somebody's not doing what they're supposed to do. All right, I'm out. Somebody's not doing what they're supposed to do. Yep. I'm not gonna. Uh, yeah. Your body throws that wall up, and it's game over. Yeah, I could be wrong. I, I mean, I'm just I'm just a novice at this stuff. I get to sit next to you, though, so there's that. That puts us out of the Ramsey Show in the books. We'll be back uh, with you before you know it. In the meantime, remember, there's ultimately only one way to financial peace, and that's to walk daily with the Prince of Peace, Christ Jesus.